0: Hey, Analysis listeners. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Wanted to, real quick, request that you guys bang a like or a five star review or leave some comments in whatever the hell app you happen to be listening to right now. That'd be very much appreciated. And that's no joke. And before we get started, wanted to mention that I noticed Glenn Fleshler, the murderer from True Detective Season 1, and the bad guy in Barry Season 1 happened to be the clown that gives Arthur Fleck the gun, and we find later in the movie with some conflict. And I didn't mention that on the podcast, but I want my fucking credit. So anyway, that's all I have to say. Please enjoy the show, and thanks for listening.
1: For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed. But I do... And people are starting to notice. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Recording, recording. Get
2: recording. Recording, recording. Sounds
0: good. All right. Welcome back, Analysis listeners. Welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Colin Shea and Mr. Mike Hammond. Welcome back, guys. What's up?
1: Hello, analysis. Missed you guys. I feel like it's been two years since I've been on here.
0: Yeah. What was the last thing you you did?
1: Um. It couldn't possibly have been. No, it wasn't the horror thing, was it? No,
0: no, no. It was. I think it was Mount Rushmore comedy. That was. Or Mount, oh Mount Rushmore. yeah, Mount yeah, East yeah, East yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The comedy. Yeah, yeah. It
0: has been a while. That was early June. So goodbye summer and hello fall. And we've got a perfect movie to kick off the fall for us. We've already been talking a little fall when we've been talking about South Park coming back on the air and everything, but it's not really fall until you start painting your face and and stabbing people in the face with scissors. So today we're going to talk about what was, I'll be transparent and honest with you guys, my number two anticipated movie this year, maybe three, Irishman's pretty high up there, but uh, a highly anticipated movie nonetheless, Joker. Directed by Todd Phillips and starring Joaquin Phoenix. Everybody knows that by now. Uh, but you guys uh, were a little reluctant to dip a toe in, in the waters of of this Joker movie. And I wanted to get you guys on to share some thoughts on it. A lot of people going out to see this movie in the theaters. A lot of conversation around it. Uh, good hype, sometimes bad hype, internet terrorism going on, all sorts of things surrounding this movie. But let's just talk about the movie right now. Uh, what did you guys think of Joker? We'll start with you, Mike.
3: Well, Bob, to your point about being a little apprehensive about seeing it, I think we've talked about this a bunch of times. Uh, I'm not a big comic book person in general, obviously, and I'm exhausted with how many of these movies there are. And we'd always joke about how there seemed to be a handful of people who sort of refuse, from an actor perspective to jump into these films or do any kind of comic book movie. So I'd be like Gosling, Joaquin Phoenix and Leo. It's kind of like the only three dudes that were like I'm straight, I don't really need to do this. Um, I'm going to do my own sort of project thing. And you see a rest of really talented people do these movies and we'd always joke about this group of people who wouldn't do it. And that's why when The Joker was announced, I was just I couldn't believe he that Joaquin Phoenix was doing this movie. I didn't get it. I didn't get why he would do it because there's just so many of these Joker movies, really, there have been and there are gonna be going forward. And then once you see the movie, you get why he took the role, because I can't remember a movie that's as much of a character-driven movie in terms of screen time than this. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is on the screen for what? Everything, but there's no break of like 10 seconds that he's not in the movie. This is Joaquin's movie, obviously, and Todd Phillips just rode that horse to the end, and it was a great idea to do that.
0: Yeah, I like what you said about how there are certain certain actors, and I've had this debate a bunch of times around Leonardo DiCaprio, everybody would drink, but some people would be like, wouldn't it be amazing if Leo was the Joker or the Riddler? And it's like, no, I want him making real fucking movies. Like, if he's doing that, then he's not going to be able to do Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So let other people put on capes and masks and let him make actual film. And and Martin Scorsese came out and he said uh, quite publicly now, that Marvel movies aren't film; they're amusement parks. Film is human humans interacting and in, in making art for humanity and to reflect humanity, and that's not what these movies are. And to some degree, I agree g- with them. I don't want to break down that entire argument today, but I'm I, I want Leo making films, not to sound like a snooty person, but. When Joaquin Phoenix signs up for this, there is kind of a, ah, like there's a, a, a light that goes on and you're like, th- this man normally is very selective with his scripts. There's probably going to be, he basically brings instant credibility to the project and it makes me interested. Then you get Todd Phillips aligned to it and a lot of people know Todd Phillips as fart joke, jerk off joke, old school, road trip, all these comedies, but when you start to look into his filmography, this dude started make he, he started on the scene making a documentary about Gigi Allen and this like punk rock scene, and it's super gross. It's really grotesque. It's it's really hardcore. And then he was signed on to do HBO's Taxi tab Confessions. You guys, remember Taxi Cab Confessions?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He so that? he
0: did that shit. Like that was, he, was a, he was a director and a producer on that show, and that's kind of how he broke into Hollywood before he started doing his comedy things. And it seems that Joker was very much, he wanted to start to make a transition into gritty, kind of, he wanted to basically make a crime movie set in the early 80s, and the only way you can do that now is basically with clown makeup on and <laughs> under the veil of a superhero movie. So he... To me, it seems like he found a way to, to to make a movie that isn't really being produced right now, but it's linked to the Batman series. So I don't look at it in the same vein that I do the other Marvel things, the other Marvel projects. I guess that that was my initial thought. What did you think, Colin? Uh,
1: it's funny that you bring up Todd Phillips. I don't know. I, I feel like he was the one that uh, almost made me less excited about it. Similar to what you guys were saying, I was obviously very excited when Joaquin Phoenix was attached to it. Todd Phillips, I thought if anything he fit the suicide squad bill a lot better you know i mean like something that was going to have a bunch of comedy thrown into it that was going to have like a balance of action and comedy so i kind of was anticipating something like that but in general i mean for me this is a movie that needs a second viewing if i'm being honest but right now to start with like a spoiler free i guess i'd say it's it's possible that this movie has a similar impact on superhero movies uh that batman begins had um Batman begins like set the stage for the world to take superhero movies and comic book storylines more seriously Um, and Joker and and to an extent maybe Logan before it but really really Joker here it potentially will mark the beginning of an even darker statement style genre piece for, for superhero movies now I know that will be music to Hammond's and Scorsese's ears because basically I'm saying it might usher in even more superhero movies into an already crowded and saturated market. But in many ways, this was a bull. It was bold. It was brave. It tried to sink its teeth into some commentary on the current state of our you know, society's combustibility. But in some areas, it suffered from being really self-serving and frustratingly direct. But all in all, on a scale where I often grade movies, I, I would say it was an enjoyable watch and definitely worth my money. So people should go see it.
0: Yeah. Let me be clear to you and to anybody listening at this point. We will be spoiling this movie. There's, most of our reviews are analysis of the movie, so we're, we're definitely going to be talking about the ending of this movie and talking about theories, but I definitely got a text from Bobby Peterson, who's a regular guest on this show, and we shared a sentiment that was, he said, man, that movie had balls, and that movie, yeah. it definitely takes the audience and pushes them into a, out, of a, out of a comfort zone almost immediately I think it really grabs you, and, and it was a, it was a moment that was shown in the trailer. But I, I was surprised to see it in the first frame of the movie because the, the movie opens up and it's just that slow crawl into that that clown locker room, that really weird clown rock locker room. <laughs> I don't know if places like that actually exist, but and it's and he's grabbing his mouth and, and forcing it open into a smile, and, and he's got the tear rolling through his his blue eye paint, and it's kind of turning black on his face. Uh, but it, it, it really captures it and, and grabs you right away. And to Mike's point, it, it, it's a character piece. And the first hour of this movie is not a comic book movie at all. It's really a gritty movie on... It's a gritty drama on mental health. And it then sometimes I even forgot that I was watching a Batman related or Batman world until like the Waynes would show up. You'd be like, "Oh yeah, shit. This is fucking like has to do with Batman because it was it was so much on Arthur. You could have just called the fucking movie like
1: Arthur Fleck, which is which is yeah. great because if you if you're going to use the origin story of the Joker, which is such like um it's it's essentially hallowed ground to kind of step onto that territory, right? People don't want you to it's like the Michael Myers thing, right? Like, he's just better as this vessel for chaos. Like, we don't need to know it. But if you're going to do it, use it as a vehicle to talk about something. And I appreciate that they tried to.
0: Well, I also love the fact that and we've had people in our own silly movie text thread that say, I don't want to see this movie because I'm not, I'm not with Joker having an origin story. I'm against Joker origin story. I would still right. prompt those yeah. people to go see that because and what i'm trying to say without telling those people spoilers is there's a lot of different interpretations you can take with this and it's not very ironclad this is this is the joker origin story he's a very unreliable narrator or the the movie is a very unreliable yeah. reliable narrator so mm-hmm. there's no specific way you can, you can tie this movie down. And I think that's what also makes it really fun is then you go see it. You have conversations like we're going to have right now about this movie. You can take theories in, you can find out it's almost that human litmus test. Like, I think that's really fucking cool. And it also fits within that Joker's nebulous. I'm not really sure what's happening a little like how Heath Ledger and his scars kind of came to be. I still think it it serves that purpose.
1: Yeah, it's almost like they took that Heath Ledger scene, where he or that that little like micro storyline of of uh, the Dark Knight when he's like making up these stories, and they almost expanded it into the whole idea behind this this movie potentially.
0: And it's really it shows it. You can totally see how he became the Joker, though. Whichever way, whichever direction you want to take the the scenes, uh, the the movie's final three scenes, the final twenty minutes. Whatever, whatever interpretation you want to take, like you could definitely see how he got there, and it's in that first hour and, and all that character building that it, it, it's really strong, and 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 just Joaquin Phoenix, man, I think he's gonna get nominated for this movie. That it's it's very gradual. His you can it's it's not just like one minute and then he he puts on the makeup and all of a sudden he's the Joker. It's 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's
1: it's a yeah slow every step movie. that that
0: movie takes every step that movie takes he's crawling Very closer slow. and closer to that moment um where he's on the talk show
3: yeah yeah the only thing i'll say a little bit to colin's last point what you're saying i agree colin this could usher in a new creative way to sort of set more grounded comic book movies that have something to say about society and just have more real elements to them but I, I mean how many people can do this but Joaquin phoenix just did there that movie could have been awful like if could you had somebody that. who wasn't that good my god it's yeah, i honestly cannot remember a movie i'd have to really think he's literally on screen i don't think there's a 5 second break in it he, he is the entire movie the female character is really serves a purpose we can talk about but really isn't even in the movie even robert de niro is on screen for less than 5 minutes no. it is him every scene not talking just walking around doing weird body contortion, weird face, like stuff that I don't even know who else could do this. So I guess I agree with you in that it could maybe usher in these new movies, but you got to have the horse to do that. I mean, this is insane. I mean, there's
1: ambition behind it outside of just Joaquin, but he certainly takes it to another level. But the idea behind it and the approach and, um, like Bob said, the balls, I mean, that does, that does come from the producers, the writers, the directors, but Joaquin certainly takes it to another level.
0: So he apparently researched for, uh, he did a lot of research on, that's an actual stigma, that, that laugh. And if you go on YouTube and you look up mental illness, uncontrollable laughter, there's videos of a, of a guy who actually has the condition. And if you watch it, it's identical to what Joaquin Phoenix was doing it's so to even the the joker laugh and it's every time they try to do it i i'm like man like what a task every every movie that gets made that's one less opportunity or that's one less choice that you can make you got to really get creative to come up with a new concept for the joker laugh and this one is i don't want to throw around the word brilliant because people use that word too often in our society but it's it's a very creative choice i'll say to to have him not want to laugh, it's actually I con- I can't fucking help from laughing. It actually hurts me. There's pain through my body to, to laugh. And and the, the work he does physically with the contortion piece, his body looks so fucking weird in this movie. But the 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 way he was able to do the laugh was was really
1: fucking cool. He is a really fucked up looking dude. Like I never really realized that about in him in general. But just like I mean, no, I mean like with his shirt off and stuff his rib cages his uh shoulders like he just seems to have bones popping out of all these random places that made him look even more deranged and i i don't i mean that's him right there's no like cgi alterations to him right like he's just that weird like that like that scene where he's bent he's bent over pulling his clown shoe and they look at him from the back and he almost looks like this it almost looks like, and this is this this is weird, but like in Harry Potter three, when he turns into a werewolf and like all his bones come cracking out and these weird, like that's what it looked like, and that's just Joaquin Phoenix, which is super weird and unsettling.
3: Right, I have no idea how he did that, because his body, like his ribs, looks like he has extra rib bones, and then he's kind of always bent in a way; he's never straight up, and like he's wearing clown shoes. Did you notice that? It's incredible. He's like running around and. I think he's wearing clown shoes, and his body is just so unsettling.
0: That goes back to my point about the evolution, because you know when he doesn't look all bent over and all fucked up is towards the end of the movie when he's found he's his true release. The, 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 the times where he's most fluid and he looks most like a human being is when, right after he kills those dudes on the subway, and he's in that, and it's that kind of therapeutic... He finally feels powerful. He feels himself. He feels like a human being right after that. And that's when he does that poetic dance piece that he, he does in, in that bathroom. And then at the very end of the movie, when, when he's going out on the stage with, with Murray and, and he's, he's doing that dance. and he's, and he's Man, what a fucking cool scene, by the way, right before that when he's rehearsing how to act like a confident person on a talk show.
3: I love that scene. Oh my God, that
0: was yep. fucking mesmerizing.
1: So good. This might uh, be an appropriate yeah. time to bring bring up a question, since Bob, you just said like the the char- the charisma that kind of came out at the end. Mm-hmm. Did you guys think there was some symbolism with the stairway, where I feel like almost every time we see him with the stairs, the outside stairs, there's like where he, the, the stairs that he gets chased by the cops in. Yeah. But throughout the movie, he, he's ascending them. I think almost every time we see him, he's going up the and stairs. And he's struggling. He's struggling to that, climb the stairs. Yeah, I feel like he's struggling to like meet the high expectations of society, I feel like. And then not until the last time you see him, where he actually is this confident, fully formed Joker now, that he's descending into like the Joker madness through this euphoric dance and strut and complete comfort within himself. Um did anybody else feel that?
0: Yeah, for sure. That it, oh, yeah. that's definitely something he's trying to communicate. He's he's rising these stairs. He's struggling to get up. He's struggling in life. He's, he's he's struggling to in this conformity. And then once it's once it's all broken down, that you get that moment.
3: Yeah, I think this movie has a lot of. I'm not sure what the, if there's a term for it or not, but the mirroring of the beginning and end and where the character is and where they end at. It's very deliberate. That's part of the first hour of the movie. He's also you know, full-on dancing down the stairs in this sort of bizarre, uh, I love the dancing. I don't even know how you would explain that. It's sort of like, he's not really good at dancing, but he is. And it's kind of like circus dancing, but it's kind of not. But I think that that's part of that too, Colin, when he's like dancing down the stairs. Um, and to Bob's point, I think that's a great observation where it's like, he stops doing what you would consider weird behavior for him once he becomes the Joker. It all makes sense, which is really impressive, just storytelling.
0: It's 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 violence. It really is. That's when he's, is his most free is, is when he's finally able to take back control of his life, and it's it's through violence.
3: Yeah, which is which very the, disturbing. Which the movie is. But
0: I, I don't think, it, yeah, I don't think the movie is advocating for violence. No. The movie's no. talking about a lot of things. It brings up, it brings up a ton of shit that, you know, it brings up, how we should support mental health in with the government it it brings up the public and or the social divide it brings up not tearing down people in in not tearing down people in video you know what i mean i that's like one thing that i took was like you know how we do all this public shaming of people all the time out on the street through instagram and through facebook and it's like that's kind of like more what morrie's doing what murray's doing to arthur is he gets this viral video and he fucking clowns the dude. No pun intended. And, you know, here are things that we do all the time and sometimes we can act like fucking assholes.
3: Yeah, Bob, I like too that uh, the card that he gives is a great scene too. I love that. How he has the card that explains, you know, what his problem is, which is really, which is a really deliberate way of showing, like, the society he lives in has no empathy towards people. They don't even have time to, like look at him or be like why are you know like in that scene he's just trying to make that kid laugh that woman's not trying to understand him at all why he's talking to his her son why he's laughing like that like it it's it it really encapsulates the world he lives in which is no one around him cares about anything that he has going for him and they don't care what he thinks it's just like you're one of these people that no one gets you scare us just leave us alone and then what happens when that person has no resources you just push that person to the point where No one's helping them, no one cares about them, and they're just alone. They're gonna, somehow that's gonna manifest in some way. It's not okay, but that's the storyline that they're showing here. So it's, it really is a deep way to look at it. This whole approach is pretty deep. It really is a deep way to assess a character or a person's mental well being.
0: Really simple scene, too. That scene is about 25 seconds long, and it gets all of that message across, which is impactful. What did you guys think for me? The most intense scene for me that when I was, for lack of a better term, edge of seat was he's applied the clown makeup on. He's already murdered his mother, which is also a really cool scene that I used to think my, was a was a tragedy. And now I realize it's a comedy and he murders his wife. Um, but after that scene, the the his clown buddies show up to his apartment to make sure everything's all straight with him. And he's got just the white makeup on. He hasn't applied his Joker shit yet. So it's just that white mask. And he's like, oh, my mother just died. I'm celebrating. And they're talking to him. And he's got both of his hands outstretched. And he's kind of peering up to them in that, in that white mask. And then he murders them. And then the, the dwarf goes to the door to try to leave. And the fucking latch is still on there. Holy shit! What did you guys think of that scene?
1: Well, that line he delivers at the end is like the quintessential. That I feel like. Well, how often this this movie is being compared with all the you know tragedies that have happened? Um, that line he says at the end, "You were the only one who is nice to me," is like a line that gets echoed in so many of these stories, where it's like, if you. Like if you're an asshole, I mean, you get what's coming to you, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Like, if if, if you don't recognize the little people, if you don't go the extra mile to be a nice person, to, to really anybody you come in, you you encounter, that you're in the line of fire for this kind of stuff. But that was, like, how he just turned on his heel, and he was so, like, after he killed the one guy, he was just such an amicable, you were the only guy that was nice to me, of course I'm not going to hurt you. Like, that's the logic that's going through his brain.
0: Man, did you guys feel the same way that I did? That it was almost kind of Joker-esque where he purposely did that latch because he knew, obviously, I'm going to kill this one dude, but homie's not going to be able to get out. And so it's going to be this twisted, mm-hmm. sick, <laughs> sick double murder. It's like, oh, you can't get out. Well, on second thought, did you guys think that that might happen for a second?
3: So I didn't think about it at the time. I thought more just afterwards because, like again, about to your point, he's super chill in that moment. He's, like, sitting on the ground with blood in his face. And he's just, like, oh, no, it's cool. Like, no, no, like, you're good. I'll let you out. Like, and it's, like, again, like, that release of him being, like, more of a subdued, calm person. And, uh, I mean, how brutally he kills that guy, too. It's, like, he cuts his throat, stabs him in the eye. Like, he's definitely going to be dead there. And he just smashes his head in the wall a bunch of times. Slams his head. (laughs) Yeah. Just a very... Very, very dis- Man. Uh, again, very disturbing murder, and it's really the only, like, Colin. brutal, murder. I mean, the gunshot thing is one thing, but to, like, kill someone with their hands like that is pretty, I mean, the way they did that was great.
0: Colin, did that, the moment where he tells, t- to your point, when he says to the guy, you're the only person that was good to me, Dane Cook used to have a bit where he talked about the weird guy in the office. You guys ever remember this bit? No. mm hmm he, he talks about the weird guy in the office
2: and how he always would give him candy bars. tell you something, any job I've ever had in my life, I talk to that guy. I would talk to him, I'd find him on purpose, and I would have little chit-chats with him, and I would be very interested. I'd be like, by the way, here's a Snickers, that's for you. Peanuts, caramel, put that in your mouth, enjoy that. <laughs> you know why I talk to that guy? Because when that day finally comes where he <laughs> snaps and he comes into work with a sawed-off shotgun, walking through the hall, and he finally gets to my office, he's gonna be like, thanks for the candy. You laugh now, but you know Monday morning you're gonna be like, hey Marcus, how was your weekend? What'd you do? Here, I bought you some pens for your crazy pocket. I know you love pens, and I happen to love pens too. Should... <laughs> it kinda reminded me of that a
0: little
1: bit. I thought the the, the te- most tense scene was with uh, the quote unquote girlfriend in her, her apartment.
0: Yeah, that was Did you guys see that I coming?
1: That was that was kinda. the that was the teetering moment. Well yeah, I saw that I saw that I saw the twist coming. I thought that was the teetering moment where this movie is either gonna go insanely dark and we're about to witness some really bad shit right now. Or it's going to kind of stay on this line of, of pretty damn dark. And they, they erred on the side of caution. But that was a moment where I was like, uh-oh, this might turn into, like, seven or something crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that was uh, – but I, my flag definitely went up during that.
3: Yeah, I thought when he – after he killed those guys on the train and then he just shows up, opens the door and, like, with his paint on and starts making out with her. I was like, if that's real, that's really hard to believe. In this context, so I, I yeah. put it in the back of my mind, I didn't know that it was going to be. I mean, that was very Fight Club ish. It was kind of like a yeah, uh, very Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. Because then
0: you get the with her all those right. moments where she's not in. Yeah, the flashbacks. and so that's why it was so underdeveloped. It's so underdeveloped because it's like you can't have her interacting a ton because then you then the the more people or the more scenes that she would be in, the more re, the more you'd be able to realize like, oh, she's not, she's. Mm-hmm. They're not interacting with her. They're only interacting with him. Very right. beautiful mind style. Or fight club, or however you want to say it. So it's like, they, they used her very minimally, but then I was like, this relationship doesn't make any fucking sense. He, he fake blows his, he, he does the finger gun, That the taxi finger guns to his head in the hallway with her so and So awkward. And then he makes out, with, then, then she shows up and he admits to, to following her, but she's cool. She goes to a shitty comedy club, but she's into it. Like, didn't making out there's no like none of this there's there's none of this can be happening so yeah my flag was up i didn't necessarily nail that it was full six sense mode but i was uh I, I would i was definitely not all in on the relationship so i guess let's transition to what do you guys think the the ending is because there's a there's multiple different theories of what the ending could mean and i want to get your takes in terms of where you guys go so so what did you guys think the ending meant or, or what do you think the the truest reality to you is
1: i think i think that maybe again this is like i said it's one you have to watch again because i'm not entirely sure mm-hmm. i think reality may have ended In the back of the police car. I think he went on. I think he did what he did. But I... To an extent. But then I think he did get locked up in Arkham Asylum. I think a lot more has happened, too, between these two things. I think for him to have this joke... I'm sort of working some of this out as I'm talking. For him to have the joke that she wouldn't understand, but have it so centrally be around Bruce Wayne as a kid, I think... In this story, Joker and Batman have already kind of done some stuff. I don't think it's a total, totally linear story. And I think a lot of the details he's just making up in these meetings with his uh, therapist. And it, again, goes back to, like, it's a movie that gives you all the answers but also gives you no answers. And in a way, that's it's like the Killing Joke comic that I think a lot of this was was based off of and I know Bob you're going to make fun of me or whatever but I actually do have that one that graphic novel sweet and where he and he <laughs> amongst other amongst other things talks about like um how he wants his past to be multiple choice mm-hmm. essentially which again goes back to the Heath ledger thing where he's just kind of making up stories and adding whatever he wants whatever he finds interesting and I think a lot of it happened I think there's a time jump in there that we're not privy to cuz I think he actually has had some encounters with Batman at this point. Um, I I think that's kind of where I'm landing at this point.
3: Okay. Mike, what did you think? So to Colin's point with the ending, I think there was an allusion a little bit to the earlier scene when... God, what's the show called? The De Niro show? The talk show? Uh, When when he thinks he's on the talk show, remember? And he stands up. Yeah. And he's like, Mm -hmm. come on the show. Yeah. Like, I think there's part of that post the murder where he's sort of visualizing like what he hopes would happen afterwards. But really it's just an excuse for everyone to riot and to like take their anger out. And I think there's a lot of stuff you can take from the clowns. Like what are the clowns? Is the clowns the public? Are they like internet trolls? Are they the non-powerless people? Uh, I So I, it's difficult to say kind of the like direct illusion there, but I think there's something towards the end there that's clearly sort of fantastical. The way they lay him down in the cop car, that sort of everything doesn't really seem real anymore. So I would say that's sort mm-hmm. of g- dream vision visiony sequency But kind of what Colin's saying, like I'd have to see it again. I don't, I don't know the full like how that ties in, but it just feels a lot like the talk show scene earlier in the movie. So
0: I'm in the camp that. Anything, especially because they set that out in the beginning of the movie with, with the fantasies, and, and basically everything from the first hour that was good to Arthur or good things that happened to him were revealed as fantasy. So him and his relationship with his, quote, girlfriend, fantasy. The relationship with Murray telling him, oh, you're actually great, All everyone should, should love this guy, I wish you were my son, fantasy. So I kind of got into the camp where anything at all that happened in the movie that was a positive thing for Arthur was part of his fantasy. And I actually think, in my mind, especially because this movie is a standalone, I don't think that Joaquin Phoenix is going to come back and and do any other sequels. I I, I think he's the type of artist that said, I'm going to come in, I'm going to parachute in, do this once, and get out. I actually think when he entered that fridge, when he was clearing out that fridge and he went in there he killed himself inside that fridge and then the the rest of it is, is fantasy on how he wishes this would have played out uh, in his mind very similar to that scene at the top of the movie because I think it's very unrealistic that that show gets a hold of his number how the fuck are they going to find his phone number to give him a call and they're going to invite him on the f- show and then there's clown riots happening outside he's dressed as a clown but he just is going to get out there uh, I I just think the the way everything plays out, the way that they they bring him out and, and they pull him out of that cop car and everything, I just think everything happens way too well for the Joker. Um, so I think that's that's kind of the place I'm in is that he actually kills himself in that fridge. Otherwise, why does he go in the fridge? That's really right? interesting. He goes in the fridge just to get out get of the, get the fridge. get
3: that scene and I thought when you. If you went in the fridge, how could he open the fridge if he shut it? I was thinking that the entire time, actually.
0: Yeah, I think he just goes in there to, to either suffocate himself or slit his wrists or kill himself or something. I think that's, huh. for me, that, that scene doesn't make any sense unless it's him going in there to die. Uh, or the other way you can do is that Um, at the top of the movie they show him in in all whites in a white padded cell banging his head against the wall and then at the very end of the movie he's back at Ark asylum um, that this whole thing was a a fantasy in his head the entire time that's the other way you can look at it in my opinion if you're going with the everything that happened to him that was good was inside of his mind
3: Hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense it's difficult to make those clear markers in the movie and when that happened. But I guess it's not that hard to consider the idea that that's an underlying theme or like, uh, right. Like that's, that's kind of the double entendre of it. You can just watch it as entertainment, direct storytelling, or you can like take these other like breakaway moments.
1: If he killed himself in the fridge, what's the point of the last scene then? I could see that being the answer. If it ended when he draws the smile on his face in the riot as the hero it was one of I think the moment he paints he paints his own blood on his smile was and turns around Great was scene. one of the best superhero comic book movie scenes I've I think I maybe I've ever seen I got chills but I I could see ending the movie there if he killed himself in the fridge because he he essentially does live out his dream as the hero yeah, so. but then why add the last scene I guess and with you I'm trying to I'm kind of trying to work this out as we're talking about it because it is there is a lot going on. And I do not have all the answers.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the fun of yeah. it. I mean, there's, yeah. I, yeah,
0: so mm-hmm. basically, yeah, if he's in the padded cell the entire time, why the scene with the fridge? And then if he kills himself in the fridge, why the scene with the padded cell? Right. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of the cool part is that there's so many clues and counter clues that you could conjure up a, a myriad of different endings or, or different meanings behind them. And there's symbolism in each one of them. There's symbolism in the fact that it's a garbage strike that's that's happening, and, and the, the city is really upset about, A, the violence in the city, but B, the fact that there's just trash piling up and piling up. Like, there's obviously symbolism in that. There's symbolism in his bloody footprints and how he's leaving this trail of blood behind him it, literally and, you know— metaphorically throughout what he's been what he's been doing through the process of this movie there's symbolism all over the place um, and there's that to me that's what makes it fun and that's why the people who are like oh it's an origin story he shouldn't have an origin story well he still doesn't
3: there's like nine different origin
1: stories in one movie (laughs) not sure he really does
3: I'm not sure if this is the right time to bring this up but this was my main question I had for you guys bring it up and you kind of stole my thunder a bit Bob with this earlier here's a okay here's a scenario for this movie let's just say instead of calling it Joker you call it Arthur you completely remove all of the Bruce Wayne stuff you just say it's in New York in the 70s or 80s and then that's it you just tell this exact story and there's no like origin there's nothing it's just you just take the movie for what it is and it's just this weird guy that turns into a clown and goes nuts A do people see it? because right now I just looked this up it broke box office records in October. This movie is going to make an obscene amount of money, which blows my mind. I cannot believe how many people wanted to see this, which is great. Um, but do people see it? And two, like, do you even need the comic book stuff in this? Like, I don't even think you do. Like, you, I, I was never interested in any of the connective storytelling elements. I was interested in Joaquin Phoenix and what Todd Phillips was trying to show with his character. So do you even need this whole comic book side of this? Is that even something you would
1: need for this movie to work I think, I think so. I I don't know. It it does and it doesn't. I don't know. I guess in a way, how do you tell a story about a clown that goes crazy without the audience saying, "Because well, that, makes that sense. just feels like, like because- the Joker. So you may have just been a victim of not addressing it in that sense. You know what I mean? Like, we all know the Joker exists. That story is out there. You can't take it back. If you told this story without the Joker and it's a clown who goes crazy, one, you're either, I think was an Ed Jean Or you're the Joker, so it's almost like that had kind of been cornered. But to your point, is it a story that could live on its own? It may not feel. I think it could. It does. I'm not. It certainly doesn't make. It certainly doesn't. It certainly doesn't. I know you guys are going to hate this answer. Doesn't make as much. It
0: it doesn't make as much money. Is that what you're going to say?
1: Like I, I don't think it gets greenlit by anybody unfortunately but well, as a story on its own it i essence. guess i mean it's it's a story it's a story piece
0: i mean i just think what it, what about the batman shit elevates this movie none of it it could easily it, 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 nothing about there's there's hardly anything in in the the canon of batman that's that's making this any better it could easily just been a, a city billionaire with a different name carlson instead of wayne i don't know it could all of these things, all of these elements. There's there's hardly anything, and then the shit that's actually Batman, that the pearls being snapped and and being murdered in the in the alley of the movie theater. Like that stuff's tacked on at the very end, almost arbitrarily. It was almost like they they did that after they made the entire movie. It's it's not even Joker that kills him. It's just random dude dressed like a clown. So I mean, it's. I, to, to me, it, it definitely could be a movie that could stand on its own. Would it be greenlit? Would it make a billion dollars? Probably not. It's probably streaming on Amazon Prime and us Joaquin Phoenix fans are going to watch it. But, I mean, I definitely think it, it could be equally as powerful without the, the, the Batman canon behind it. That's, that's my piece.
3: Yeah, and that's why I think Todd Phillips, this is so impressive of him to do this. He's this really smart, what he did here. Because... Yeah, because he's like, I want to make this movie. They're
0: never going to let me make it. So I'll just call it fucking Joker and then everyone will go see it.
3: Right, right. So you guys want a fucking comic book movie? Fine. Like, I'll get Joaquin Phoenix. I will do this the way that I want to do it. I'll flip this genre on its head and I'll just use the whole comic book thing as a way to get this movie made and people will love it and they'll see it. And that's what I think is so interesting about all this stuff. Back to the Scorsese comments. Like, this is a film. This is a character study. This is a really in-depth thing that makes you think and discuss things. And it's almost like he piggybacked off the genre to do that. I don't think you need to do it at all. It's not a criticism. I just find it interesting.
1: It's a great question. I, th- I think you could do it without, without the clown thing. Remove the clown thing, think of another gimmick, and then it won't be compared inevitably with the Joker character anyway. And then I think the story that he's trying to tell, yes, could live by itself as long as you don't have the clown part.
0: Yeah, he could be a fucking magician. I don't give a fuck. Right. But I think just the the core of the story isn't it, the the clown thing doesn't make it compelling. It's this it's this beaten down by society, rise from the ashes, uh, mental health piece, it, like all of that stuff. And it really and, it, and it's borrowing a ton from Taxi Driver, obviously, which actually I think kind of lessens the movie a little bit because he steals so much. The guns to the a head lot. and the a lot. you talking to me like. And it's like, man, you didn't need to like completely rip the scene off, but just that kind of that that, that loner mentality, constantly by yourself, spinning your wheels, driving yourself crazy, the 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 thrill of this uh, vigilante hero piece, that, that, like that whole journey, I I think is is still a, a story I'd like to see and, and and enjoy seeing, and the fact that he was able to kind of shoehorn it into the Batman franchise and and make it work and and make it make sense I think is is very creative I guess my next question for you guys would be what do you think is next for Todd Phillips
3: that's a great question well he's gonna be able to do whatever he wants now I mean if if, if you see Todd
0: Phillips and it's a movie that looks kind of darker or dramatic is that a movie that you're really interested to go see
3: oh yeah yeah I mean I'm gonna see his movies just in general but I'd almost see him doing something like a of like a Manchester by the Sea or something. Like I mean he can I mean I think Kenny he Lonergan? <laughs> well, well I just think that this movie is so it's such its own thing. It's almost genreless in a way. I mean there's a genre for it, but it it incorporates so many things. We didn't even talk about too not to get off of that, but how beautifully shot this movie is. It was shocking. Just how it looked and the colors and how he portrayed the city and i mean it looked really incredible i I think he can do just about anything he wants it's really impressive
0: back to that scene where he's got the only the white uh makeup on and then the blood splatter from the scissors the blood i was like damn that's a halloween costume waiting to happen
3: yeah and then the scene when he's he's like you said the scene when he's practicing his mannerisms with people is incredible when he thinks he's going to be on the show And then he's behind the curtain and the colors, and he's sort of getting ready to move or dance, and it's like a twenty-second scene. You're just mesmerized by it. It's really hard to do that. Yeah, film something like that. Beyond impressed with Tom Phillips. I'll see anything he does next. I think.
1: I hope he creates whatever he does next. Good call. You know what I mean? Like I hope it's not just like something that he just gets thrown at him with for a bunch of money. Um, I hope he starts taking. His own creativity more seriously and start leveraging the freedom he's, he's likely to get from this. A lot of the credibility that he's built, um, and I hope he takes a risk and does something that's his own little, little kind of baby. I feel like this is the chance, right? Like this, he'll probably never have more credibility than right now if he's got that home run script that he's been working on forever. I hope that's next.
0: For sure, and I guess my final thoughts on it uh, are going to be. Back in a very long time ago, I, I wrote uh, on the Instagram handle for the Analysis Podcast. Uh, it was right when this was announced that he was going to be the Joker. And I wrote, there was a moment after the failed experiment of I'm Still Here, a movie we actually somewhat enjoyed, where we wondered if Joaquin Phoenix or Casey Affleck would ever bounce back. Then came The Master, her Manchester by the Sea, an Oscar, and a new Joker casting. As Ari Gold once pointed out, Hollywood loves a comeback, baby. And so my point there was Casey Affleck and Joaquin Phoenix both collaborated on I'm Still Here, which was a colossal failure at the box office. And then also, especially in Casey Affleck's point, really uh, got him into some bad PR. But uh, both of those guys have kind of in the last year or two come out with some of their greatest work and achievement as artists and especially with Joaquin Phoenix I really didn't know if anyone was ever going to get back in this guy's corner again <laughs> although he's a, a amazing actor uh, and, and has done already so many great projects up to this point but um I just think Joaquin Phoenix man he's he's in that very very small list of actors that you just gotta fucking see what he does and if you haven't seen his whole catalog go watch some of his other movies some of his other smaller stuff The guy is an incredible talent
3: is he going to
0: win for this? I don't On know. Oscar? I don't know. You I haven't s- seen all the movies. I mean, I think, obviously, you guys know I'm going to be quietly rooting for Leo in what I thought was probably one of his best performances in What's Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know the Ford vs. Ferrari has Matt Damon and Christian Bale. I, I, I heard that's going to be really good. This looks really good. Uh, I mean, you got the, a lot of people are loving the Irishman.
3: Yeah, but if that has Bale, Leo, and Joaquin in the same year nominated, that's going to be wild to see who wins. It that.
1: won the Golden Lion at the Venice Venice Film Festival, the movie did, but Joaquin did not win for Best Actor. So I don't know if that's going to be a, you know, a harbinger for, for things to come at the Oscars, but the movie got a little bit more respect than Joaquin did, surprisingly, so who knows if that'll be... What we see.
0: I think this movie will be nominated. I think this is the the very movie. These types of movies is why they expanded that category. 10. so they, it's like we gotta have the Joker in in the category. Well, if you look
3: up Rotten Tomatoes too on this, which is you can take it for what it's worth, but the critics sixty nine percent, audience ninety percent. That's a decent gap. I mean, the yeah. critics don't love. The, and there's a bunch of reasons why. There's, you know, there's all this other stuff with this movie, but yeah, that's probably not boding well for him actually winning, but. Very, very, very interesting to get nominated for this kind of role, and how an academy views that, and who votes for that, and how. Like and again, that's that's Scorsese and Spielberg and all this stuff. Like you know, they're changing the way these movies should be viewed. It's technically a comic book movie. I'm I'm it's really
0: sick of the old man get off my lawn. <laughs> it's like Scorsese's and Spielberg's bitching about new movies. It's like, all right, guys, yeah, it's nah. it's past yet, man.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. See, you guys don't. You guys don't own right, movies. Right.
3: <laughs> right,
0: right, right, right. You didn't invent movies. Any final thoughts, guys?
1: Ambitious take. I hope we see a couple more like this. And I hope it's a comeback for... I'm kind of calling it a comeback for, for Joaquin. Um, JP. I'd yep. like to see him get some some super interesting roles moving forward. Um, and like you said, interested to see what, what the future holds for, for Todd Phillips moving away from the comedy life.
3: My final yeah. thoughts are... Uh... <laughs> I guess you could have said this after Heath Ledger, but I don't get who takes that next Joker mantle and can do anything like this. It'll be amazing to see who else can try. Uh, I mean, you're Jared Leto doing whatever the fuck he's doing with. Yeah, fuck that guy. But like, right, right. Whoever's taking the actual next role of this is gonna have, like that man. You now you're staring That's, down right. Jack, <laughs> Heath Ledger, Joaquin. Like, if man. you're
1: Jared Leto, aren't you a little pissed right now?
3: What you suck? You like mean? you're
1: the guy. Yeah, you're yeah. the guy who came in between Heath Let. Well, I mean, he well, he got cast in a movie that probably asked him to play this absurd version of the Joker. But I mean, Leto's a pretty good actor. I mean, he could have done a decent job with this different take on Joker. If I'm him, I'm kind of like, fuck, I just came at the wrong time.
3: Well, if you're him, you're like, I'm yeah. just not walking Phoenix. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah it's like you're know, playing Michael Jordan basketball. It's like, yeah, I can't yeah. do that. Sucks <laughs> to just just suck take it.
0: man if they get two people nominated for playing the exact same comic book villain it's the joker is just dunking all over every other comic book villain. Yeah. it's crazy how how much more impactful yeah i'm saying
1: anyway, those two and not to mention nicholson i mean it for all intents and purposes even probably the most iconic of the three roles even though it didn't get nominated i mean it's going to be like hollywood lore the joker role okay, who can do it
3: yeah yeah it is
0: Man, I'm so, yeah, I'm so happy that this Joker wasn't dipped in a vat of acid or anything fucking like that. It was, just, it was really raw, uh, raw and gritty, and I was all about it, as you could tell from my last 50 minutes of commentary. But uh, Hammond, thanks for coming on. Always appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and the analysis version of a Joker, <laughs> Colin Shea, thanks for coming on, you piece of shit.
1: I might have exactly the same amount of appearances as there have been film versions of Joker so there you go, go. <laughs> uh,
0: you guys you, you listeners please remember to like subscribe, and subscribe and thank you guys for always joining we us and we'll talk bullied. to you next time Bye. I wanna be a comedian I could be just like Marie but when I tell my mom she says I need
1: to be funny now she'll suffocate (laughs) I'm just
0: a great big joke but one that's not funny I try stand up and choke but killing comes naturally I just want some love in my head you give it to me